This is Fitz, and if hosting One Bad Mother for over 10 years has taught me anything, it's that parenting is hard and nobody gives a shit. So belly up to the low bar, where fine is good enough and you'll never feel alone. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, she ain't heavy, she's my mother. We, we talk with Alyssa Aegis, author of Secrets of Giants, A Journey to Uncover the True Meaning of Strength. Woo! Welcome, <laughs> Alyssa. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm never going to say your last name again. <laughs> um, th- this is like take 42, everybody, of me just trying <laughs> to say the last name. For anybody who does not know Alyssa and is, like I said, not frantically Googling right now as we speak. Uh, Alyssa is a Toronto-based, New York-born author, freelance writer, and copywriter. And her debut book, Secrets of Giants, A Journey to Uncover the True Meaning of Strength, is on sale now. Her work has appeared in The Globe and Mail, Wired, Men's Journal, Publishers Weekly, Parents, MTV News, Spin and Vibe. And on a personal note, she's a mom, a strong man competitor. I don't know if I would put, I would swap that. Endurance <laughs> athlete, six marathons, and an Ironman, rock climber, crossfitter, and former member of the New Jersey Bridge and Pummel Roller Derby team. And her third child is a sourdough starter named John Bon Dovey. And I just want to say for all the rest of us, she's not doing it at us. <laughs> oh my God. This is incredible. This is a lot of stuff. This is like, I'm like, I, I we, I'm not even going to get into goals because yeah. <laughs> I, I just kind of only want to talk about your goals and then I can avoid my own. But before we get into this like epic life that you have created for yourself, not at me, uh, who lives in your house? Besides John Bondovi. <laughs> yes. So, okay. So my house is myself, my uh-huh. husband, John, um, my daughters, Cassidy and Isabel. Cassidy is five and a half and Izzy is going to be four in December. Um, our <laughs> Oops. fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> our, yeah. <laughs> They're 21 months apart. Wow. Uh, our fabulous nanny, Andrea. Yeah. Um, and yes, my my sourdough starter named John Bondovi. Yeah. And also like a lot of stuffies. Like, oh, a lot of stuffies. So many stuffies. So many stuffies. It's and they can't ever. I mean, we haven't even told our children that there is a book called The Velveteen Rabbit. Like, I think I had yeah. a relative send one and I just chunk and donated yeah. to the library right away. I was like, yeah. we don't. We're not, that's not who this house is emotionally. <laughs> uh, but uh, between the two kids and the sourdough starter, uh, who do you love more? Ooh, I'm going to go with the kids. I am, right. you know, unpopular fair. opinion, but I'm going to go with the kids. Yeah, it's fair. <laughs> Any animals in your house? Uh, no, I yeah. mean, you know, we live in like the part of Midtown Toronto that's like a little bit suburban and right on a ravine. So like probably any manner of bugs Yeah, as we speak. And then my children have pet rocks. Oh, those are the nicest. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. really easy to clean up after. It's great. It is so good. All right. I just, I <laughs> will be honest and say when I received the book, I was nervous. Because one bad, not because of the doing it at me, <laughs> but one bad mother since the beginning has made a, a, a few very conscious choices. And one of those choices is we don't have guests on or advertisers that have anything to do with like weight loss or body image or things like that, because you could go anywhere else for that, mm-hmm. um, especially uh, if you have gotten a kid in your house and your body's changed and like all this, like we just don't go there. And so I was like, ah, I don't know what to do. And then I had a chance to really look at the book and the work and it's, it is not about that. It is really about strength, both inner and outer and like really working through some trauma and challenges that you 
you faced. You very openly talk about uh, the trauma from your miscarriage, and we are big fans of saying the word miscarriage as much as possible because it, we got to normalize it and it needs to become something that we're all okay talking about. Um, but I wonder, so I am famous only in my own mind for asking <laughs> these very complicated multi, multi-staged <laughs> questions. So here we are. Yeah. <laughs> the question is, have you always been like this? <laughs> wisely, wisely channeling trauma and stress uh, or just being really healthy. Uh, and what, what led to this book and this work to like where you are? And I, because I think yeah. all of those things sort of come together. So enjoy that. Vague yet complicated question. I think I think I got it. Okay. Um, Thank God. Have I always been like this? No. Okay. So good. I, yeah. No. When I was a little kid, I was like not the athletic kid. I think when I was little, little, my mom, you know, has told me like I played the same amount of sports as any other kid. I did, you know, your little league, your gymnast. I love gymnastics, like that kind of stuff. Um, I don't really recall doing a ton of team sports, but this lingering memory for me was that when I was 10, we'd moved from, I grew up in Brooklyn and then we moved to Long Island. And I decided that I very like consciously didn't want to do all the like girly stuff I saw people doing on Long Island. I really didn't want to do softball. Um, I didn't want to do figure skating. I wanted to do yeah. hockey skating and I wanted to do baseball. Never mind that I was like not good at those things. Yeah, sure. uh, and so I joined Little League. I was... Um, one of two girls on my team and the other one was just like a phenomenal athlete. Uh, and I have this very strong memory or I have this very strong memory that I had never hit the ball. I do remember one time getting hit with the ball oh, and being too. given, yeah, being given the like the MVP ball for the yeah. game um, for that, which was great. Uh, <laughs> and so I sort of very consciously told myself this narrative for the next decade of my life that I was just like not an athlete. I was not cut out to be an athlete. I was not good at athletics. This was just who I was. And I avoided it pretty much at all costs. And then I was, um, I had to play a corporate softball game, um, which I really didn't want to do, but I did it. I didn't want to you know, get fired from my job. Uh, and I got up and I hit the ball and I got on base. And when, you know, we switched innings or I still don't really know baseball terms ah. when I was no longer at bat. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> I, I called my mom and I was like, I, I was like, I played softball for the first time in like 10 years and, and I hit the ball and like, aren't you so proud of me? Like I finally hit the ball. Ah. And she was like, yeah, but it wasn't that you never hit the ball when you were playing little league, you never swung the bat. And it was this moment oh. where it's like, you just like your whole life kind of flashes before your eyes. I was like, oh my God, I've told myself this narrative for the last decade of my life. And maybe it's not true. What was true was just, maybe I was just really scared of failing. Um, and I literally in that moment made this conscious decision to um, swing at everything. And I signed up for a marathon without having ever run a mile. I signed up for, after that, I was like, I did a bunch of marathons. I was like, Meh, let's do something else. And I did a triathlon without being able to really swim that well. I went from there to CrossFit because I don't know, I needed something else that was ridiculous. Like I really just kind of decided to do the most extreme thing I could do, which is how I ultimately ended up in Strongman. I, I just like, I love that none of your choices were uh, baseball. <laughs> but after all of that, we're still going to avoid the baseball. But I, or, or like, I just like that, like, you know what? I'm going to change my narrative and I'm like, I'm not going to take up, you know, I don't know, crochet or, yes. you know, garden. It's like, I'm going to run a marathon. Yeah. And, you know, which without any training, it, or even running uh, is, is that you weren't, I'm just going to, can I just say, you probably weren't very good at it. 
Where I mean, no. like that first one, just tell me you sucked. No. Oh, no, legitimately, legitimately, <laughs> I was not. And um, what's hilarious was that like the way I ended up in that first marathon was because I had sort of roommate at the time. I had just recently moved to New York and she it was like the height of P. Diddy. And she really wanted to go see him run the New York City Marathon. It was that yeah. year. Uh, Diddy runs the city. That was the yeah. thing. And so we went and we watched P. Diddy finish the marathon. And she looked at me afterwards and she was like, I think that we should run the marathon next year. And I was like, neither one of us runs yeah. and you are a smoker. Yeah. And she was like, it's, it's fine. Like I'll quit. We're going to run the marathon. And I called up my dad who is a marathoner and said, I think I'm going to run the New York city marathon next year. And he was like, okay, I'll run it with you. And that was that. Oh my, okay. This was all before being married. Had, oh, yeah. or, not that yes. you got to be married to have a kid, but this is all before that phase of yeah, your I mean, life. Yes. To be fair, I, um, I am blown away by people who train in particular for triathlons with small children I was training, you know, my Saturdays were eight hour days when yeah. I was training for the Ironman. I, no, I haven't done that since having kids. I was gonna, I don't have the time for that. <laughs> I was gonna say, no, I was gonna say no. that seems very challenging. I can't no. even make a phone call. No. <laughs> all right. Without being interrupted. And my kids aren't babies anymore. Right. <laughs> so, like, it's, you know, all right. So, but while you may not have been doing, that after kids, you were using this this focus, the strength training uh, to help deal with challenges in your life. And, and I feel like just like that baseball narrative that you taught, and we could just go off for oh, hours yeah. on the stories we tell ourselves. Yes. I mean, wow. So just like the narrative with the baseball can't not good at baseball, you know, can't hit a ball and discovering that that narrative was false. I think there are a lot of narratives that begin to formulate when we get kids in our house. And I, and I think they are unique to each situation, whether it's adoption, whether it's fostering, whether it's, you know, um, childbirth, man, does that one get crazy with the expectations. And the, I mean, I still joke, and it's not really even that big of a joke that like, after two births, you know, and maybe I should go do one more just to get it right this time. Like whatever, <laughs> that is a not a good reason for having a kid, right? But, and I am way past having children, everybody. No, thank you. Um, but how, talk to me about that relationship for you because you talk about the miscarriage and that is a narrative in itself that your body is incapable of something. Like it really can cause you to question multiple things. So how did the strength training and this sort of life before this moment, how did that wind up actually supporting you? And I, I just want to say, yeah. I really like, this isn't about getting, we're not talking about getting a body back here. We're talking no. about, about enduring trauma and trusting your body again. Yeah. So yeah. tell us. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, one of the first things I think I say early on in the book is that like, this book is not going to teach you how to get bigger biceps and six pack abs. <laughs> and it doesn't end with me getting them either. And it's a hundred percent true. Like, there's nothing, I really consciously wanted there to be like nothing prescriptive about this book, nothing that would make anybody feel bad about the things they are yeah. or aren't doing. You know, I tried to tell stories of people with all different backgrounds and all different ability levels. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we are told from like the moment that our bodies can physically bear children, right? Like yeah. we're told that there's this specific purpose 
And we're also told that like, this is this natural thing that's going to happen so much so that you have to spend like the majority of your adolescence trying desperately to not get pregnant. Not get pregnant. <laughs> right? But right. nobody says to you at that moment, when you can start having children and you start, you know, having your like sex ed classes, like no one says to you, but also FYI, like you might not get pregnant ever. And yeah. if you do, you might lose it and at different stages and it's going to be really yeah. complicated. And like nobody talks to you about that other part of your body that you're supposed to pay attention to. So yeah, like when I, not only when I had the miscarriage, but then when I went through a couple months of fertility struggles afterwards, it was this like, you know, I had been spending all these years building my body into something not aesthetically strong necessarily, but just like physically strong. Like I felt like I, I could do anything and I, that I trusted my body. And then this happens and you feel betrayed, you lose trust in your body, you lose your feelings of being capable of doing things because you're like, this is the one function that it was supposed to do. Like I was told and my whole life it was the, supposed to do this thing. The one function. I mean, like yeah. we could stop on this for a while, yeah. but that really is the narrative that we are given both consciously and subconsciously this, you're, you've proven that your body is amazing and can do these amazing things and yet somehow all of that is erased yep. because your body was supposed to be yeah. able to have a baby and you're exactly. right I, I really i don't know why it's shocking to me and that i'm like what an aha truth bomb moment in yeah. sex education and like in human development and wellness classes that kids aren't being taught, you may not be able to get pregnant. You yeah. may have a miscarriage. There may be struggles because that could really help curb a cycle of. Absolutely. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, we're, you know, and a part of the reason why I'd been thinking about that recently was this past weekend, I was um, at a day long event called the diversity of infertility um, run by Pregnantish, which is this amazing media company that really does talk a lot about uh, fertility, infertility, loss, navigating all of that. Um, and there were a couple of, of women who were up there who said, you know, no one told me to get my AMH levels checked. No one told me that I should do that earlier. And so, you know, here I am now trying to have kids and suddenly I'm being told I have low ovarian reserves. I thought I had all the time in the world. I thought my goal for most of my life was to not get pregnant. And now that I want to, you're telling me that I can't and that I should have been thinking about this earlier, but nobody yeah. told me to think about this earlier. It's just like, what? It, you know, sitting there and listening to a lot of these women who I was told I had low, uh, low egg reserves as well. But like, you know, I was- But what just, does that even mean? I mean, because it, yeah. we don't talk about our own bodies enough outside right. of you make babies. Right, and like, then low one compared day, to what? Yeah, yeah, low what? compared to what? Like what is, oh, you know, <laughs> yeah. I feel like this is the month of biz repeatedly saying, I don't even know what my vagina looks like. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's, it's, like, it's so symbolic of what we don't have yeah. In terms of just basics, information. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things to just kind of bring it back to the strength yeah, training please. part of it, um, when, so post miscarriage, one of the things that I did just, I don't know, in some effort to like make myself feel better during this time was yeah. I went back to the gym and I was continuing to work out with my coach and lift heavy things. And I was also running. Right. And I would find that when I would go for a run, I would literally run and cry at the same time. Oh yeah. And yeah. yeah. And I would come home and it was like this kind of great catharsis that happened on the run, but then I was back where I was before. But when I would go and lift things, I'd come home and it was like hours, sometimes days afterwards, where I just felt better in my body. I felt stronger. I felt like, oh, I can do hard things. Yeah. You know, I didn't, uh, maybe I forgot about that, but I can, I can really do hard things. And I, I couldn't really figure out why doing that was kind of bringing me back to life. And as I went on the journey for this book, one of the most impactful things I learned was speaking to a couple of women who um, work with uh, people who've gone through trauma and help them use weightlifting as a means to heal that trauma. Uh, and one of them said something to me that kind of led me down this path of realizing, okay, well, when I went to the gym and let's say I wanted to do a heavy deadlift, right? To do a heavy deadlift safely, you have to brace your core muscles, right? So that you were taking some of the, the strain out of your back. 
And when I would do that, I'd be wearing a weight belt. Mm-hmm. So I would breathe in, I would take in that deep breath of air, I would brace my core, I would feel my abdomen pressing against that belt. And in that moment, if I was going to lift that barbell, I had to believe that that part of my body that was a site of so much trauma and weakness and sadness and vulnerability could also be a place of strength. And if I didn't believe that and I didn't trust that, then I was going to get hurt. And so that, I understood in that moment, oh, that's that's where the, that's how lifting gave me the trust back in my body. That's how. I think what's interesting about that realization mirrored with the narrative we were just talking about is really being able to separate those functions. I don't think that's right because it would be like when I just think about me in the world and being incredibly human and, you know, not as smart as I'd like to think I am. I, I, if I don't trust this part of my body, right, I won't be able to lift this weight, but I could very easily merge that into, I'm not trusting my body enough to make a bait, right? See, I tie Mm. the fertility thing back to it, regardless of if that is my purpose in life. Um, And, or, or just if I want, if I want it so much, Right. I mean, because I think that's also that is why it is trauma when people go through these fertility treatments. I mean, that is a system of treatments that beat your body up. And then the traumas of miscarriage. Again, your body just went through all the same things it would have got that we don't even take seriously as physical endurance, right? Uh, you know, oh, you had a baby? Great. Go back to work, right? Oh, you yep. got hit by a car? Yep. We're going to actually send you to physical yeah. therapy. What? I don't, like, what? So that that seems really tricky. I'm just saying that to you. That yeah. seems like a tricky thing. What did, how, did you find that you had to navigate that? Or is that just know. my fucked up need to get back into therapy <laughs> brain? Yeah, it was, I don't think at the time I kind of equated the two things of like yeah. trusting my body to be strong because there was, I could control that, right? Right. Like the fertility stuff was almost accepting this kind of loss of control mm. over what I was going to be able to do. Um, and so- I think it was more that I was, I trusted that my body could do hard things, but also that it, you know, my brain could kind of handle that too, because the fertility struggle was the hard, was, you know, it was, it's mentally hard yeah. as well. Yeah. So, you know, do I believe that my body can, that I can deal with that? Yeah. Because I've shown that I'm, you know, I've got this level of strength. And so I can, I can endure this. I can, I can handle this. I can deal with this as terrible as it is. Yeah, endure is a good word, yeah. despite, you know, what's the old, that doesn't, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger, or <laughs> or it gives you a horrible limp that you can't, like, you know what I mean? Like, it leaves like you scarred down your, you know, arm, yeah. I don't know, <laughs> little, little, all of it. So, I find that having kids in my house uh, is very stressful mm-hmm. at times. It's challenging. It is It is an endurance. Yes. Uh, I'd like to think that this show is a love letter to my children, allowing them to understand that the bar can be very low. Right. That there's there is no such thing as perfection. There is no it's okay to not like it all the time. It, you can have both. You can love your children, but not love being a parent. Right. Any any combination of these things. Um, and I hope that <laughs> that's what they'll take away from it. <laughs> that their mother was not perfect. What do you hope? that, you know, the, the lifestyle that you have, uh, as well as this book, uh, how do you hope it 
impacts your your kids? Yeah, I mean, the, the girls have come to see me at one of my competitions, but I show them, I always send videos from my other ones when they can't come. Um, and I, when I compete or even when I just kind of lift in the garage, um, I make a point of the girls seeing me fail, seeing mm-hmm. me miss lifts. I think that's really, really important. Um, I have, you know, the whole like bio listing off all the stuff I've done sounds impressive, but in fairness, I have... <laughs> come in last place in almost every single strongman competition I've ever done. And I am so okay with that. I used to not be. Um, And I stopped doing it for a few years because of that. And now I'm like, I'm just out there to like compete with myself and also just to try. The big, our kind of motto in our house is um, we don't say I can't, we say I'll try. And then if you try it and you don't get it, that's fine. But you tried, you made an effort. And so you know, yeah, I don't want them to ever think it's about being perfect. You know, the, the like two medals I have in this house from my competitions are from being the only person to show up, not from beating anybody else. And I still go and I want them when they get to the age where they understand like competition and winning and that kind of stuff. I want them to know that even if they don't win, they should keep trying, keep going back, keep doing it. If you love it, then the rest of that doesn't matter. I love that. I, I love that you came in last. I, I love that. I mean, I, I feel like whether hosting a podcast or lifting weights, reminding our children that we're constantly failing is a solid strategy. That is yes. a solid strategy. And, Absolutely. And I think actually a great place for us to wrap up this conversation and get ready to do some genius and fails. So everybody... We will be right back. Alyssa is going to be joining me for Genius and Fails. Again, Alyssa's new book, Secrets of Giants, A Journey to Uncover the True Me of Straight. Thank you so much. And I look forward to sharing my genius and fails with you. Me too. All right, class, tomorrow's exam will cover the extinction and de-extinction of the dodo, PowerPoint as an art form, and the history of Eurovision. Any questions? Uh, yes, you in the back. Uh, what is this? It's the podcast Let's Learn Everything, where we learn about science and a bit of everything else. My name's Tom. I study cognitive and computer science, but I'll also be your teacher for intermediate emojis. My name's Caroline, and I did my master's in biodiversity conservation, and I'll be teaching you intro to things the British Museum stole. My name's Ella. I did a PhD in stem cell biology, so obviously I'll be teaching you the history of fan fiction. Class meets every other Thursday on Maximum Fun. So do I still get credit for this? (laughs) No. (laughs) Obviously not. No. It's a podcast. (laughs) Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius fail time. Here is my, I'm going to share my genius with you. And that is when we were going to start this school year, it was going to be uh, sort of like a hearkening back to when the kids who were very little and went to different schools. Uh, We had a brief window of everybody going to the same school, which was a miracle. And now not at, not at all. So we got the oldest, the high schooler, going to a school that is essentially in a different town, okay? Like, it's a good 20 minutes away with no L.A. traffic, okay? And then uh, we've got Ellis, the fourth grader, uh, at the school we've always been at, but it's nowhere near the high school, okay? And like I said, if anybody's been listening, We've been moving around a lot while we're doing construction. Uh, So every couple of months, we're either close to one school or very far away from another school. Anywho, we were worried. And I want to say the genius is somehow we've made this work. Every kid knows where they're supposed to go and what time they're supposed to go. We know, more importantly, what time uh, we're supposed to leave and get people places, even on Friday. When 
the high school students school start okay normally we got to get that one to a metro station by 7 50 on normal days and then don't pick them up until 5 30 from a metro station and the other one has to get to school by 8 45 and picked up at three but on fridays high school starts late and ends early those are real close my friends together <laughs> but we've managed to do it and getting out of the house has not been horrible for anybody and i don't know what that's about but i want everybody to know it i want everybody to know i'm not doing it at you but everybody please know that this thing that could have been horrible has so far two months in been highly successful wow oh my god oh my god i saw what you did oh my god i'm paying attention wow you mom are a genius oh my god that's Fucking genius. That's amazing. It's amazing. It shouldn't be this way, Alyssa. It It shouldn't. But (laughs) it is. So there we go. That is my genius. No pressure, Alyssa. That was pretty high bar. That's pretty great. Yeah, that's pretty great. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so I thought about this. I think, you know, one of the things that, and I I talked a little bit about this with um, letting your kids kind of see you fail, but uh, I do, I take my kids into my, we have a garage gym set up and I take them with me into the garage gym. And in addition to, I think it being awesome to let your kids see you failing, I think letting your kids seeing you just work out is awesome, um, especially as moms and especially when you're doing strength training because they're going to get older and they're going to think, from whatever social media magazines, whatever it is (laughs) that women shouldn't be lifting weights and you're going to get too bulky and blah, 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 blah. And I really make a point of talking to them about all the awesome things about working out. I never speak about my body in a way that's like, ugh, I don't like how I look in this. Ugh, I'm whatever. I I try, you know, it's not that I don't have those thoughts. I Oh, we all have them. Absolutely (laughs) do. I just don't vocalize them to them because I figure if I can get them as far as I can get them, just (laughs) thinking that their bodies are cool because they're strong, then that's pretty amazing. And so we'll do that. Like we'll go, we'll we'll lift stuff. Um, You know, they're lifting their teeny kid versions of things. Um, And then we go inside and I make a smoothie and we talk about you know, why we need our protein after our workout and why we need our carbs and why we need our fats and all the good reasons for all of those things. Um, And so far, like they think that being strong is awesome and that's awesome. (laughs) Well, and it's also a healthy way to talk about like food in a way, you know, like it's, it's talking about using those words carbs, proteins, things like that, that are usually associated with less, less negative, negative, and talking about all the positive impacts they have on our body. Good job. That is a very good (laughs) job. And I know isn't always easy because we are people. Uh, And so, and I know what three and five and four-year-olds are like. Uh, I'm impressed that they're even sticking around in the gym with you. Yeah, well, you know, the gym has like, our garage gym has some really cool toys. Okay, cool. Uh, Good. So yeah. they'll like, they sit on the rowing machine and they just push themselves back and forth. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's a 25 pound kettlebell that my five-year-old can pick up. Just stand up with it, which is just the cutest thing ever. Oh my God. Yeah. She's very, I, I very don't, proud of this. <laughs> I don't trust my children enough to do that. I'm like, ah! We're going to have a broken oh, yeah. toe. There so. needs to be shoes on. We have ah. rules. There have to be shoes on. Mommy has to be not in the middle of one of my own lifts while right. you're doing that. Like, I have to be there with you. And I was thinking about something you said earlier, like when you first got the book and kind of like the, the yeah. body image stuff. One of the things I really dug into when I was researching this book was this idea of bulkiness, right? Yeah. And this idea of when women want to start lifting, we're told basically one of two things. Either don't lift because you're going to get bulky Or if you're talking to somebody who loves lifting, they might say to you, oh, no, it's okay, lift, you won't get bulky. But either way, we're suggesting that that is a negative thing, Yeah. right? And it's not. It's literally the literal definition of bulk, of bulky, is taking up much space, typically inconveniently. 
Yeah, let's get bulky, everybody. Right? Oh. Let's take up space. And that's Fuck, yeah. like I want I want my kids to know that like take up space. Yeah. Just, both, you know, with your body and just like emotionally, mentally, socially, yes. take up space in the world. Oh my god. That's a really important thing. Triple genius. I did I'm calling the genius. Uh I my youngest two are out of school because it's conference week this week. That's my eight year old and my eleven year old. And so after we went to the farmer's market, they said they wanted to go to the library. The library doesn't open for half an hour. So I said, sure, you can go play in the playground. Then you can go into the library. I'll meet you in an hour and pick you up. And I went to an independent coffee house, and I am now sitting outside into the hot server with a latte and going to hang out in peace and quiet for an hour and just read trash on my phone. <laughs> Rich. It's a self-care genius, and it's also a letting-go genius because I am just going to let my 8-year-old and my 11-year-old hang out in front of the library and in the library until I come and pick them up. You're doing a great job. I feel really lucky. I live somewhere where I can do this. Thanks. Bye. Oh, my God. You are a genius. I love that. I love, this. I love that. It's life goals because when they're little, you really think that's never happening. If I'm at the library by myself and I see some kids, I'll keep an eye till they get in there. You know what I mean? Just like a little eyeball. Because I hope you're out having coffee. I think yeah. I think this is so good that you did this and it's good for your kids. Good job. Failures. Fail, 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 fail. You suck. Ellis, surprise, is a picky eater. So literally eats like the same roughly 10 things. And yeah, there's some fruit in there. That's good. There's some... It's a lot of bread and Ritz crackers and pasta, but there's fruit. Anywho, recently, the last few months, they've said they wanted to try some new things. Now, I know you're thinking, Biz, you, how is this a fail? So in we go to the store the other day. I want to try something new for dinner, for lunch, for breakfast, and for snack. Oh, okay, let's do it. <laughs> so we're going to, here's the thing. We did get something for each one of those categories. They were all sweet. Okay. They all like, we tried a new cereal, but it was the cinnamon checks. You know what I mean? Like we tried a new dessert. It was Swiss rolls, little Debbie. No, I'm not <laughs> sad that those are in the house. We got some mild salsa. That was very good. And a green apple, but really that makes it sound good. There's cherry pop tarts. There's like all kinds of stuff. <laughs> And I'm fine with garbage uh, in the house. I'm, I'm here. I was raised on little Debbie <laughs> snack cakes. But the fail is that I feel like I'm being played, right? Like I, like, I think Ella's is messing with me and has figured out that by using my excitement <laughs> that he's willing to try something new to his advantage of only getting... Things that are very sweet. Now, in my mind, I'm like, no, no, this is going to lead to a, we look at all the success. So next, you know, he'll be willing to try something <laughs> of it. I'm not sure that's the case. I think we're just Pop-Tarts and uh, cinnamon checks forever because he's not wrong. But yeah, that's my fail is I have encouraged them to finally try things, but they are fooling me into letting it only be sweets. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. I, but my bar is so low, Alyssa, that I'm like, it's a win. You know, and maybe that's you know the what? fail. Yeah. That's the fail. <laughs> fail me. Okay, mine. Yeah. So, all right. <laughs> I now, when my girls go into bed at night, I make sure that there's at least like one or two like little folded up tissues in the side of their bed. And the reason for that is because it didn't do that before. And my older daughter once informed me, I don't know where she started talking about this, but I, I went in in the morning, she was brushing her teeth. And she said, ah, mommy, sometimes when there are boogers in my nose yeah. that are sticky, um, I just, I pick them out. And then if there's a lot of stick on them, then I just I go like this until all the sticky is gone. And yeah. she just looks at me and I was like, cool. And then just, <laughs> and I'm like, I, I know the answer and I don't want to know the answer. I'm yeah. like, what do you, what do you do with it after all the, yeah. the sticky Stickers. is gone? She's like, oh, well then I just, I just shoot it 
yeah. um, out of my, my hands. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, cool. She goes, and she goes, oh, cool. And then it, and then it shoots across my room mm-hmm. and it shoots to under my bed uh-huh. um, where, where the grownups can't find it. Oh, it's like, just, oh, cool. Mental note to clean under your bed better. And also we put tissues in her bed every single night now. That's- so it's failure to success, but, but mostly yeah. failure. That, that don't worry. I can with great confidence tell you those tissues aren't being used and you're no. just going to find them somewhere in, in their own fail state. So I, I just, I love everything about this because this house is built on boogers. So, so much boogers. So much boogers. I'm like, oh, you helped make the cupcakes. They're booger cupcakes. Yeah. 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 I, I don't think I anticipated in motherhood the number of times I would have to say things like, take your fingers out of your butt. Yeah, just don't. And then don't put them right in your nose. Don't that, put them. Could, just, why are they in your butt in the first place? Yeah, I know. Just. Well, there was there was something intriguing. I couldn't find the booger. So that, anyway. All right, caller. Hi, I'm calling with a fail that started as a genius. A couple months ago, I started taking karate, and that was a genius. I felt so good, and it was awesome. And yesterday, I fell, and I broke my leg. I work full-time in public school, and I have a six-year-old, and it's going to be fine. My lefty is amazing, and he works from home. But I broke my fucking leg. I'm going to need surgery. This really blows. I hope you're having a better day. Well, I can say with confidence, I am having a slightly better day. All right. Just to be fair. I almost, Alyssa, saved this as a rant for the end of the show. But then I really, I really wanted to honor her feeling of failure. Let's just all put this aside. Let's just get this out of the way. I am really sorry you broke your leg. That fucking sucks. With a kid in your house and full-time work with other people's kids that's like you never know how much you're using stuff until you can't use it the way you want to use it yeah and that all aside how dare you try and have take karate and do, i mean so this is right up your alley. i feel like this fail is specific, like so much for you you know we try not to absolve people for their failures because that's defeats the point of the failure yeah. segment but i would like to hear your thoughts yeah no i feel like the, i think one of the toughest things like when you're a parent and you choose a hobby on your own that is for you yes. and then you get hurt doing it like it's so hard not to feel guilty right because you're like ah oh, fuck i it should maybe i shouldn't have done a thing for me <laughs> right like oh my gosh, like my bad. I shouldn't have had my own hobby. Right. But like, you're going to get injured doing stuff and and like, it's okay. It's important. You have to do, first of all, you have to have your own hobbies. Yes. That's what makes you a better parent. And so even if like in the interim of these, you know, however long it takes for your leg to heal, you feel like you can't parent the way that you want to, like you doing something for you is the best thing that you can do. Oh my gosh. This has been so fun. Alyssa, Thank you so much for joining us. Again, everyone, the book is Secrets of Giants, A Journey to Uncover the True Meaning of Strength. Alyssa, thank you. Thank you for having me. This was wonderful. I really enjoyed talking to you. You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you. I love you. When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. I love you, I love you. Hi, I'm Stacy Molsky, Director of Business Operations, and I'm here with my fellow worker owner, Richard Roby, producer. This week for Co-Optober, we'll be highlighting other co-ops who work in the arts. The past few years have been challenging for all kinds of creative industries. We at MaxFun believe that co-ops are better suited to meet these challenges, and there are a lot of other companies who feel the same way. 
So all this week on our social media and website, we'll be sharing interviews with some of our fellow co-ops. And head to our YouTube channel, Friday, October 20th, where we'll be talking with worker owners from Defector and Stocksy about their co-ops and why the model works for them. And next week is Volunteer Week. Learn how you can participate in that and get details on exclusive merch, our live streams, and other Co-Optober happenings at MaximumFun.org slash Co-Optober. That's C-O-O-P-T-O-B-E-R. Everybody, let's settle in and listen to a mom have a breakdown. This is a rant, everybody. My baby is 18 months old, and she pinches me on the back of my arm when I pick her up. You pick her up and you put her on her hip. pinches the back of your arm and I need to change that habit and I can't remember to change that habit I just all the time every single day I pick her up we're leaving the store we're walking into the house we're walking around and I get pinched on the back of my arm right in that soft spot on the back of your arm it's making me oh just lose it. I just can't handle it. And I, it's always on the right. I'm right-handed. I pick her up in the same side. I'm losing it. Thanks for the hotline. First of all, you're doing a great job. I have now listened to this rant uh, twice in uh, preparation for the show. The first time listening to it when I found it uh, to play and now listening to it as we record. And I realize that When you say change the habit, I have now had two different reactions to what I think the habit is. My initial response was, yes, you need to change the habit of that child pinching you on the back of your arm, Uh, though I'm at a loss uh, for how to do that because they're a baby. Uh, But now I'm listening. I'm thinking, oh, Maybe you're talking about changing the habit of picking your child up altogether. No, no. On the right side. Because if you start doing it on the left, she's going to pinch the left. It's not It's not like she's favoring an arm to pinch. The child's going to pinch everything. You have a pincher. I'm very sorry. Because you're right. It is especially over a long period of time, something that really is disruptive to your mental and physical health. And it's one of those ones, like when kids hurt you, you know, completely accidentally, no one-year-old or five-month-old, or even three-year-old is maliciously coming after you with a pincher, right? They don't know. They don't understand. But it doesn't mean that your response isn't the same as if, like, your best friend came up and pinched you in the arm, or somebody you don't like or know comes up and pinch you. When adults go around pinching each other, that is a very different scenario, and you can get really mad. You want to be like, stop pinching me! Or, oh, did you like that? I'm going to pinch you right back. I mean, there's the classic story in my family of mama, when she was very young, biting her mama and her mama turning around and biting her back. And uh, lessons were learned. Mama certainly never bit her again. I am not saying to pinch your baby at all. I'm just saying you're not alone. And I'm not, (laughs) I'm just saying... That reaction is in there. And if we're not giving ourselves enough, like, attention to that reaction, that's the stuff that builds up. And then you're like, why am I enraged all the time? And you realize it's like one of a list of things that you're squashing because you're a reasonable person who doesn't want to pinch your child back or even yell at a baby. Who wants to yell at a baby? So I just want you to know I see you. It is really hard what you're dealing with. That is a sucky situation. And you are not alone. Ellis was a pincher. I have known pinchers. Ellis still pinches. Like Ellis is like, but not the way that you're talking about. I'm talking like nine-year-old crawls up on me for like a hug or a snuggle and like, you know, 
their leg pinches my leg fat or like my arm, like it pinches the skin or, you know, completely unintentional. But my bosoms have been elbowed and shouldered so many times in the name of a hug. And you can't, if they're hugging, you can't be like, ah, stop it. (laughs) That's a weird message. So I just get it. And I see you and you will get through this. And you are doing a very good job. Everybody, you are all doing a good job. I really enjoyed my conversation with Alyssa. And to be honest, the perspective shift it forced me to take when it comes to how I immediately react when I hear things like strength training or anything to do with body training, exercise, what any of it. It definitely pulls up for me a lot of things that were not even close to the point of the journey that Alyssa took. And I do know the value the benefits of physical movement when it comes to trauma and mental health. I know that I am taking away from our conversation and the book a an understanding of monitoring my own knee-jerk reactions <laughs> to things and being more thoughtful and not assuming that anybody's doing any of it at me, which I still have to remind myself all the time. So let's all belly up to the low bar and commiserate in the fact that no one's doing it at us and we're not doing anything at anybody else. That's a great conversation to have amongst friends or strangers. You're all doing a remarkable job and I will talk to you next week. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. You know that right. We'd like to thank Max Fun, our producer, Gabe Mara, my husband, Stephen Lawrence, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things. And of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Well, Daddy, baby, bustin' by, not low down mama blues. Oh, said Daddy, baby, bustin' by, not low down mama blues. Maximum Fun. A worker-owned network. Of artist-owned shows. Supported directly by you.